Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Portugal, and in particular, Cascais, on the coast, about 19 miles west of Lisbon. Always a good idea to start out with the locals, especially when you're in a town that most people have not visited or don't know much about. So we're honored to be joined by the deputy mayor of Cascais, Miguel Lutz. 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 (laughs) I'm going to learn Portuguese if it kills me. (laughs) Welcome, sir. Thank you for for the kind invitation. Most people don't even know where even Lisbon is. So finding Cascais is, 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 a, is a wonderful destination and a wonderful discovery. Yes, of course. It's, as you said, we are just 19 miles away from, from Lisbon, capital. But actually, Cascais is the fifth largest city in Portugal with more than 210,000 inhabitants. So it's, we, we are not so small as people think, think, and uh, actually it's a quite big city for, for in terms of Portugal. But historically you started really as a small fishing village, didn't you? Yes, 652 years old, uh, years ago. We, we used to be just a small fisherman village with no more than 20, uh, maybe 2,000 uh, fishermen that used to live here and a few monks that used to live in the top of the hills that you can see now. So the monks were making wine. <laughs> yes. We know. Yes. <laughs> and they were eating fish. Yes, of course. The, uh, and the fishermen, actually, they were fishermen, but also pirates. Because th- <laughs> this is a very interesting story, because Cascais uh, is on the pass through to, to, to go to Lisbon. All the caravels... They had to come by here. They, of course. How convenient for you. So those fishermen, they changed the, the way of life 
to pi piracy. They used to, to build, to, to put some fireplaces around the coast to, 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 to fake the lighthouse. The lighthouse. And they'd ground the ships. Of course. So, uh, so they changed the, the way of life from fish, fishing to piracy. And what would they steal? Everything. 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 <laughs> the boats uh, came here and they, they, they used to steal everything, of course. Wow. And that's how Cascais got built up. Yes, in the beginning, right in the beginning. But the, the big uh, uh, changing uh, point in the history of Cascais, the game changer, was during the 19th century, when Queen, King Louis I has chosen Cascais to be, to be the official holiday site of the, of the king and the royal family. So, so everybody wanted to come here because they were here? Of course. With, with the king and the royal family, all the rich families, uh, all the nobles, they all came to Cascais and built their chalets, the their palaces. Their summer homes. Of course, their summer homes, all the chalets that you may see nowadays in Cascais, all the castles that used to belong to, to the rich families of Portugal that came with the king and the, the royal family. So we have to blame him for the high prices. Yes, the, <laughs> we have the most expensive real estate in Portugal and the, 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 we have to blame the, the king, uh, Luís I. But actually, we, you have a second changing, uh, changing point in the history of Cascais that was during the Second World War, when... Um, the, the then mayor of Cascais, um, Fausto Figueiredo, had a vision for a new um, tourist site, a tourist resort to be built here, Sturil. Sturil is a parish of Cascais, a small part of Cascais. And during the Second World War, as you may know, Portugal was a neutral power. So with a Hotel Palacio in place, a casino, a railway connecting Cascais to Paris, the, the, the Sud Express, the, uh, those were the, 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 the right conditions, the right environment for all the, the rich families again. Uh, there you go with upping the real estate prices again. Again. So yeah. it was the second time the real estate prices uh, uh, increased. So the, we used to have more kings without the throne than five-star hotels during those times. So we had the <laughs> king of Italy and his family, the king of Spain and his family, the king of Romania, the king of Hungary. So all those royal families used to live here, but also the Rothschild family, the, the bankers, and even young Fleming. You already know that the, the, he used to be an MI5 operative, used to live based on the... the so James Bond, James Bond here. The first lines of 007, the first of the novels, Casino Royale, were written here. Because... And yet, and yet, no James Bond film has been shot here, has it? No, one. Actually, one. Which one? Uh, I, uh, um, um, I, I really don't <laughs> remember the name, but it was the, the one that you, just the character, the actor was just uh, oh, filmed like, one. One. I don't know the name of the of And that's the why we don't know the name. That's why, that's why. <laughs> but that, let me t tell you an interesting story, just for you to know how tolerant we are and how uh, uh, we are known for our hospitality. During the war... You have you used to have the um, head, the headquarters of MI5 on Hotel Palacio. On the other in, a, in Estoril. In Estoril. On the other side of the road used to be the Hotel du Parc, where the Gestapo had their own headquarters. So, Cascais was like a melting pot of different cultures, di different political backgrounds. So, and they were all make believing they were tourists. Yes, of course. <laughs> so. It was in right in that environment that Jan Fleming wrote the first lines of 007. In the, although the, uh, that in that environment of spies and politicians and and kings and casinos and you have a casino in there in, in every James every, Bond movie. Every James Bond movie. So that's the the the, the interesting story of, of uh, a part of the history of Cascais. 
So basically, you're welcoming kings and spies for years. Yes, that's our core business. And, <laughs> and, 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 and even today we are doing so. Uh, do you know that Paris Match has compared Cascais with the Hamptons? Uh, I, I oh, think oh it, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I am I, so I, sorry to yes, hear that. Yes, I know. I, I know that. But, uh, but we, we are now the destination of very rich people that are buying houses here. The, our core business is to make Cascais the best place to live a day or a week or a lifetime. So if you are and have somebody else pay for it, yes, of course. Okay, I just want to mention that because yeah. the municipality needs taxes. So, so <laughs> spoken like a true deputy mayor. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so, uh, so having this core business, we have to to have good hotels, of course, yeah. for those that that visited us for for just a day. So that's why we have fifteen five star hotels and. Uh, we are the, 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 one of the most important tourist destinations in Portugal, the most expensive uh, again. But also we have in place good conditions for you to come rent a house or buy a house here. And the conditions are good schools for your kids. It's a safe place for you to, 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 to live. Um, we have green, gr uh, uh, good gr uh, parks and greenways. One third of our territory is a natural park. So those are the, the right conditions for you to come and live here. As long as you're buying dinner. <laughs> yes. You're buying dinner tonight. Yes, yes. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. my open about Portugal being so much about history. Um, I like to think I studied the country, um, I mean, incessantly, um, and still know very little about it. And yet there's so much history here. Um, you know, somebody once described uh, Portugal to me is that when you walk down the street, uh, you can just take five steps and you're in another part of history, another part of history, another part of history, and it still lives here. Uh, joining me now, somebody who understands that history uh, from Portuguese Catholic University, uh, Bernardo Sanaguera. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, I did. It's not the Portuguese Catholic University, but just Lisbon University. Really? It's the name of my school, yes. Ah, okay. So certain producers of mine will have to they, have They would be angry kill. with me if yes. I didn't correct that. Okay. <laughs> but you heard my introduction. Yeah. And doing all the research that you've done, I mean, every time I come to Lisbon, it's not like you have to look for the history. The history is in your face. It's right there. Lisbon is a centuries-old city. Uh, although it was completely ravaged in 1755 by the Great Earthquake, uh, parts of the city remained from dating back from a long time ago. So we have parts uh, which are centuries old. Then we have a 16th century part and areas of town of different ages. So you are absolutely right. You will find all kinds of past. And of course, if you're a student of medieval history, yeah. oh, now you've really scored. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, we have a part of town which is still uh, keeps the medieval trace, which is Alfama. Right. And, yeah. and it's interesting because when you get into a taxi in Lisbon and you say, take me to the Alfama district, some of them don't even know where, how to get there, but it's there. 
It, it's difficult to get there because of the works. It's always around Alfama, everything is it works, but uh, Alfama is the, uh, the core of the city. Although today it's increasingly uh, gentrified and uh, it's changing. So it's no longer the popular district of town, although most Fado takes place there, as you said. The singing. Yeah, the singing. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we'll talk about Fado in a second, but mm -hmm. in terms of the history, you know, you go up to the castle, mm -hmm. right? There's history there. The castle mm -hmm. dates back to what? Well, the castle is, uh, dates back from before the conquest from, from the Muslims, so before the 12th century, although that part is uh, no longer visible. Right. But most of the castle that's there survived the earthquake, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, Probably because it was so high up. And in the 19th century and early 20th century uh, political upheavals, it was uh, ravished by uh, artillery, but... Uh, Today it is recovered, and uh, it's one of the most beautiful places in town to visit. Yes. Now, I'll tell you what I do. I go up to the top, right, yeah. uh, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Not in the morning, but in the afternoon, when the light is just right, right? And what do I do? I watch the old guys playing chess. Yeah, it's amazing. And cards. And cards. Yeah. yeah I was, I've been involved, if you want to, um, I've been involved recently. We found, it was found uh, an inscription of the late uh, 14th century about another earthquake of 1356. And it was uh, still there, and nobody had noticed it for a long time. So we still find things that uh, uh, sources of information that uh, we couldn't imagine that still existed. So somebody recorded that history. Yes, some someone, a lot of it's a, a, a composite uh, inscription with uh, five or six reports saying different things about the same thing about the 1356 earthquake. So a different earthquake. All right. So now I have to ask the silly, stupid question, which is. And we can talk about this even when we go to the next segment. And that is, there's so much history here. Is there such a thing as a modern period of Portugal? Well, it depends on <laughs> what you call modern. I knew you were going to say that. For the historians, you have early modern, which is from the 16th to the 19th century. And then you have modern, that is to say <laughs> contemporary. Um, yes, you, have, you can find completely modern places, districts of town, uh, in the outskirts, not in the central part, but you can find modernity in, in the center, in the old center. But we pay a lot of we, we pay a lot of attention to not uh, destroying the the historical district. And that's really what I want to talk about when we get back. I mean, there's almost an obsession here, in, in the in the best possible way, of preserving. Yeah. Because without that, you lose the essence. Yeah. That, that, you find that not only in Lisbon, but in all the main Lisbon cities. If you are continuing on to another southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. And, and joining me now, I'm, I'm so happy she's with us, is, uh, well, a fixture here, if you will, in, in, in Portugal as, as a Fado singer, Marisa. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Yes. And how long have you been singing? Like I sing since I have five. I started singing Fado with five years old. Oh, my God. I was born in Africa. My mom, she's from Mozambique. Well, Portugal knows Mozambique. Yeah. Was uh, and Portugal knows Angola. Was Angola. ex colonies yes. of Portugal. Yeah. And uh, my father is Portuguese, and we moved to Lisboa, I, uh, we moved, I was three years old, and we moved to a neighborhood very near where you, you were in 1978. Um, 
and uh, Alfama, and then is Moreria near the castle. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And by the way, when I first went to, to the Alfama, the cab drivers didn't always know where to get there, how to go there. It was it because was because it's very narrow streets, yeah. you know, very yeah. tight, and it's but when, difficult. But when I was first there, you didn't have to go in the clubs; you could hear it on the streets. Yeah, that was in 1978. Today, yeah. it's not so like that. Yeah. Uh, you have specific places where you can go if you have Portuguese friends where they know exactly where to take you to listen tradition, really tradition. And then you have more and more, you have places where are open to more touristic, where you have very nice food, where you can have dinner and really appreciate the ambience of Fado, but in a very more touristic All right. way. Well, let's talk about Fado, because most of my listeners don't know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, we are talking about the urban music. Um, it comes from uh, the triangle from uh, Portugal, Brazil, and Africa, by the slaves, by the sailors. This is the poetic story. It's urban music, because we are a city of port. So we received a lot of influences and we took a lot of influences to other places. And uh, Fado is a music was very based in the feelings of life, feelings of human being. We sing the feelings of life. We sing death, we sing love, we sing jealousy, we sing saudade. I think with the most new word of saudade is longing in English. Uh, we sing about happiness, we sing about lost loves, we sing about sadness, uh, melancholy, because we Portuguese people, I think we have this sweet melancholy because of the sea, the sailors. The, lo the longing. The longing, yeah, the longing. So uh, Faro is a music which is very based in the feelings of life. Is a music normally we played with a Portuguese guitar and acoustic guitar. A Portuguese guitar is a guitar that have a shape, have a small heart with 12 strings, a sound, a very specific sound. Like sometimes it looks like tears, sometimes it looks like it's embracing you. It's, it's beautiful. The sound is amazing. And normally, normally, what goes for international markets was female is female voices. But we have fantastic male voices. See, also I'm not heard, I have not heard a male father singer. Always, it was always women when I was here. <laughs> it's true. There were always women. It's true. It's true. I think. Um, and they were always singing about lost love. Yeah, always very. And a little deep. bit, of, and a little bit of jealousy too. Oh uh, yeah, very uh, deep. Huh? Come on, little, very yeah, deep. Yeah, very yeah, deep. Yeah. It's always very deep. Yeah. You know, uh, I grew up in the middle of tradition with the most purest and the most traditional father singers, and. Um, Sometimes when you are living in the neighborhood, you just look for a person, you look to that person and you say, that is a fadista. A fadista is a person who not only sings fado, but also have a way of living that you can call fado, because the word fado means fate, means destiny. So that type of persons, when you look to say, this is a f that is a fadista, they don't have properly to sing, but they live the way some Deep, you know, if they are sad, they are really sad. If they are in love, they are really in love. Wait, 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 wait. I have to ask a question though. If you define Fado as a sort of a sad song, yeah, I didn't say to you it was a sad song. No, no, I but said I it's said, a melancholic song. Well, okay, okay, as melancholy, right? <laughs> wait, wait. 
then what's a melancholy Fado song? Is it even sadder? <laughs> I think it is because sometimes when you when you have to um, exercise your soul, you know, take out the 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 the, the scarves, take out the pains, that you need to sing something so deep. You know, that you clean your soul and then you breathe again. That's when you go to traditional photo houses and that happens, you know. But it's not an angry song. No, no, never, never, never. It's always sweet, always sweet, but deep, very deep. And emotional. Very emotional. Now, when you sing about life, you must be emotional. Otherwise, if you sing like in a mathematic way, it's nothing. It's nothing, right. It's nothing. Do you cry? A lot. <laughs> Half times so in my concerts, you know, that I travel so much. I tour. I was last October, I was in, in the States and Canada touring. And uh, I, um, that sometimes I miss so much home. I miss my own. That when I sing and I look to the eyes of someone, you know, and I feel that person is understanding my soul also that I get emotional and tears come to my eyes. It's true because I'm sharing my emotions, I'm showing my deep emotions, I'm showing my deep pains, my, my, the, the, sometimes the most um, deep feelings and the most um, deep secrets I'm showing when I'm singing. So it's, sometimes it's really painful to do it. Mm. And it comes through. Yeah, it's always true with me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> okay, conversely, is there such a thing as a happy photo song? Exist happy photo songs. Talking about Lisboa, talking about the river, talking about the seven hills of Lisboa, uh, talking about wine. We, we drink. In I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. We love wine. Um, so there's a drunken Fado song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the name is Senor Vinho. You're serious? Yes. It says, uh, Mr. Wine, what do you do when we drink too much? And he answers it. Oi, salá, Senor Vinho, vai responder-me mais com franqueza. Porque é que tira toda a firmeza quem encontra no seu caminho? Lá por beber um copinho mais, até pessoas pacatas, amigo vinho em desalinho. Passa a mercê, faz andar de gatas. I'll drink to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a happy one. See, I did, I did not know until you told me that. Uh, that such, I didn't. You didn't feel it? No, no, no. I didn't know until you told me that there was such a thing yeah, as exist. a happy photo song. Yeah, we, and we can clap. We can sing at the same time. We can. It's, it's like um, being all together and uh, being in connection and feeling the same emotions. Even, you know, the, the most part of the audience who comes to my concerts, they are not Portuguese. They are so local. It's, so it's, but it's new to them, too, sometimes. Excuse me? Sometimes it's new to them. Yes, it's new. It's, sometimes it's very new. I have yeah. a lot of people come from the first time because a friend told or because they are curious about this type of music who everybody says is world music. And they come to, to the concert just for the first time, like trying to understand. And it's so emotional. They, even if they don't speak Portuguese, they understand it their own way, you know, because you are touching in the emotions who are universal. Music doesn't have language, you know. It's like love. Love doesn't have language. Now you tell me. <laughs> I think not. But it pushes the buttons. A lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel 
cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go How do you judge a location? Um, how do you le- judge an experience? People will say by the food. People will say by the, the sights that they see, by the, by the people that they meet. And in many cases, at least two out of those three are decided at a bar uh, by the people that you meet while you're having a drink. And uh, hopefully it's a really good drink and hopefully it's a really good bar. And my next guest might qualify for two of those answers. He's the head bartender right here at the Hotel Faro. And his name is uh, Sandro Pimenta. Sandro Pimenta. Did I do okay on that yeah, one too? It yeah, perfect. Because your full name is what? Come on. It's huge. Sandro Miguel Coelho de Almeida Pimenta. As I said, Sandro <laughs> Pimenta. Um, when I think of Portugal, um, and I think of, of, of the drinks that you do here, most of the time I'm thinking of port, Yeah. right? Port um, wine. And wine, both. Um and that about completes the repertoire, as, as most people would think of, of Portugal, right? Maybe sherry, but that's really Spain. Um, yeah, that's more really Spanish, Spain. yes. So that's a challenge if you're going to be a bartender, right? It is. So, and look, you were born here in Lisbon. You're a local, yes. right? You went to school to learn about all this yeah. stuff. You've been in competitions for bartender, yeah. right? Did you win? Uh, I'm in one at the moment, in Bacardi Legacy. Okay. So... It's highly competitive, and everybody wants to outdo everybody else, yeah. right? I mean, I've seen drinks that have been prepared by bartenders that you know, you'd have to be a chemist. You almost. Know, almost, right, to, to <laughs> figure it ones, out. Yeah. We were at a bar once in, in Savannah, Georgia, and they had a glass that was the size of a pail. <laughs> and, and, and they were pouring, I mean, 16 different ingredients into this thing and mixing it in very precise amounts. And I, and I said to the bartender, does this drink have a name? And he said, yes, it's called Call a Cab. <laughs> Because drinks can be pretty lethal. Uh, yes. At the bar here, right? Here we are on the coast. We're on the sea. What's the most popular drink that's ordered here? So the thing is uh, the port wine. The port wine is very known. Um, we deal a lot with um, a lot of tourists, so they they try to drink the, the Portuguese things, but it's not only they all want port. Thing. Yeah, all of, of, all but of isn't, them. But isn't port really almost an after-dinner drink? It isn't. You have um, several types of ports. So you have the appetizers, you have the white ones that are more dry, so you can have um, first. Um, and then you have the red ones and the townies and all of that that you can have, like a dessert or something like that. Because the port that I've had has been usually very, very sweet. It is, normally, yes. Normally, all of them, yes. But you have the dry ones that are the whites, so um, no, I understand. a little bit. I understand when you age malt whiskey, and I understand when you age wine. But you're also aging port. We we age ports a lot. So the, we have a lot of types of ports. But the most known are the um, townies that have... The tawny ports. Yeah, they have uh, four types of ages. So 10, 20, 30, and 40 years old. 40? Yeah. And it's amazing. It's very good. But you have another. You have very good products in, in Portugal. You have Muscatel, that it's a liquor wine also. Um, you have in the Madeira, that it's from one of the islands in, in, in Portugal. Of course. You have very good stuff here. A very good thing. But it's all about wine. Almost all of, about wine. But the age makes a big difference. It makes. It gives the, the, the woody flavors. And um, there are a few ones that age on bottles, so they, they give some spe- spe- uh, special types of um, characteristics, so like um, vanilla, cinnamon... And it's amazing. 
But other than the port, which people come and they order because they equate that with Portugal, right? Yes. But do you have a signature drink here at the hotel? Yes, I have. I have um, one that it's with port wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I sell the recipe? Sure. So it takes um, Bacardi. Um, Bacardi rum. Apple puree. So cinnamon and ginger um, syrup. Uh, port wine. Benedictine, that it's a herbal liquor. Benedictine, yeah. yeah. And it's very good. It's very refreshing. Well, that sounds very sweet. It is. Uh, no, it isn't. Because really? Of, yeah. Um, so um, it's all about balance on when you are making cocktails. So the lime juice gives us um, a few acidity, so it doesn't take, it's not so sweet like that. And the port wine that I use, it's not so sweet, so I can balance with that. It was the thing that you were telling, it's the mixologist thing. In that the thing of mixing drinks and balancing. And it. does it have a name? It has Flight 1862. It's called what? Flight 1862. Because? Because um, the thing of the classics is all. Ah, sorry. Um, the thing of the, um, the classic. I want to, that cocktail to make to be a new classic. Um, and the thing it's about traveling and um, 1862, it's a very special date for Bacardi. So I balanced both. And so you did, it to, you did it to commemorate the rum. Yeah. So it's got everything but brandy in it. It has everything but brandy. <laughs> <laughs> that we have all, also very good brandies in And Portugal. you order one, not two. No, you can have two or three. <laughs> no, don't do that. Really? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. If you have three, then you will be traveling. You will in be. In somebody else's car. No, but you need to drink water. You always need to be A little water. chaser. Yeah. This is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Earlier in the show, we talked about volunteerism. We mentioned this organization, and I'm very happy to have the director with us today. Uh, it's an amazing group called Kozinagam Alma. Yeah. Did mm -hmm. I get it right? That's it. And the director is Christina de Botton. That's it. But let's talk about this because everybody talks about sustainable tourism and social responsibility and doing the right thing. This is where you're really serving the needs of the community. Yes, absolutely. Xingyukawam are born to have a response for a need in Kishkaish, for someone, people who are needing help, to need support, the silent poverty. We live in a very privileged area, and I became aware that behind that paradise, there are people putting on a facade, hiding their financial difficulties. So that's why Cozinha com Alma exists. For families that recently used to be helping and now need to be help themselves. Exactly. And most importantly, you're actually doing it with a team of, of volunteers yes. in the community who are working with these families. We are 70 volunteers and uh, I have a staff of 15 people who are working in Cozinha com Alma. And how exactly are you helping them? What are, they really, what are their real needs? They need meals. They, gotta, of, they have to eat. They have to eat. A lot of those families who never need to be supported before, 
now they need help, they need meals. So there's meal preparation, there's meal delivery, right? No, it's a takeaway. They come to you and they take out. Yeah, they come to me. You can come to me also. You are very important because you are the one who is going to... To do what? To, to, to get the word out. To subsidize... Subsi- to subsidize the group. You to need, subsidize... You need donations, you need money. No, I don't need donations. Really? Really. So how do people help? How, how, how can someone help? For each three meals that I can like I sold to general public, right. I can make available one meal for the bursaries. That's a pretty good ratio. That's it's great. It's like Robin Hood. One yes. pay more for the ones, the others be able to pay less. And how many families are you helping? By now we are helping 49 families. Uh, that represents like 130 meals per day. People forget that's a lot of meals. That's yes, a lot is. of meals. Since the beginning in February 2012, 2012, we, 2012, we already has uh, made available more than 100 and it's okay. 130 meals. 130,000 meals. 30,000. Yeah, that's a lot. So for somebody listening to this show, for somebody listening to this show who wants to come and help, if they're visiting Portugal, how can they help you? They can come visit us. They can buy because if they buy, they will be like our partners. Yes. And they can come and do some volunteer. And how's the food? Great. Great. (laughs) What's for dinner tonight? Tonight we had uh, some f- f- cold fish and we had also some um, roast beef. Uh-huh. But the cool, th- for me, what I think is very good is that somewhere along the line, if I come and I buy the meal, and I know that by doing that, I'm also helping you to provide the meals, I'm also meeting the people who are helping. It's a great way to meet the people in the community. Exactly. But we, you won't know... Who are the people who has been helping, helped? Because we have a system for the payment, Cozinha com Alma cards, client cards. Yes. And you can have it. And the person who use, that used the bursary also have the same card. So you keep it anonymous. You keep yes. It, that's, so people, that's very important. People have their pride. Yes. They, they want to make sure. I understand. That's great. Yeah. Now, do you have a website? Yes, of course. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'll say it in English. Hold on a second. I will find out about it and make sure that we put it on our website. Because if you're going to come to Portugal, what better way? It's, it's a win-win. You go, you buy food, you eat food, and you're helping a family in the process. You're helping many families in the process. Exactly. And you even eat Portuguese food. Even better. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now at radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? When I first came to Lisbon, somebody said to me, you have to go to the Alfama district, you have to check it out, and there's Fado. I said, who's Fado? They said, no, 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 no. They said, no, what's Fado? And I said, okay, what's Fado? They said, well, it's singing, but a different kind of singing. And I said... What kind of singing? And they said, sad singing. I said, sad singing? Okay. And I went, and, and, and it was interesting, sad singing. It was very emotional. It, it really is. was. And joining me now, who can tell me all about Fado, because she is one herself. 
<laughs> is now here comes the fun part where I pr- try to pronounce her last name. It's Katia. Okay, what is it, Katya? <laughs> Katya Gerudo. You said it so much better than I could ever say it, and after all, it is your name. It is my name, and it means warrior. Gerudo means warrior. Now, you were born in South Africa, I but did. you grew up in one of my favorite places that most Americans have never been to, the Azores. Yes. What an amazing place that is. It is quite inspiring. The most beautiful island island in in the world. And most people don't know the Azores, but a lot of Americans who lived in World War II know the Azores Mm -hmm. because the the airlines didn't have the range. The planes didn't have the range to come over to Europe, and it was a refueling stop. Even in the old days of TWA and TAP, they would all stop their flight. They'd fly their constellations over, and they'd land in the Azores. And America used to have a military bases uh, in the Azores Islands. Yes, Big refueling stuff. yes. Yes, in Tercera. Uh, and every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while, a cruise ship will actually stop there. Yeah, you should. Uh, everyone it's, it's should. Un- they, they have to go everyone see it. Everyone should. It's unbelievable because it's uncrowded. It is. It's beautiful. Rolling hills forever. It's amazing. And the lagoons. But then you went from the Azores to here, to Lisbon. Yes, I grew up in the Azores Islands. I went there with my 11 months old after being born in South Africa. My parents decided to come uh, to Portugal, back to Portugal, and we went exactly to the São Miguel uh, Islands. I grew up there, and with my 18 years old, I came to Lisbon to study. I'm a medical doctor. However, you you discovered something else. Yes, however, I discovered Fado. What is Fado? Fado is a very special music. It's... um, it was born uh, about 200 years o- uh, ago um, in the very typical quarters of Lisbon, like Alfama, as you said, uh, Alfama Moraria. Um, and it's a music that comes out of the people's souls. So music that are so genuine as this, because it comes from people that are not musically educated. So it's very simple. Um, very emotional. On- but very emotional. And it gives a very special way of singing and playing the instruments that has nothing to do with uh, musical education. It does not have to do with um, in- intellectuality. It has to do with feelings, emotions, and life. And when we talk about Fado, I must say that it's um, for everyone that in some kind of moment in their lives they crush into fado it's life-changing it's a very uh, it's it's an experience that can change your life and it changed yours it changed it changed your entire direction completely so it but it's also a different style of, of intonation and voice isn't it uh it is you know when we sing fado we 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 cannot think uh on how can I say, on, on any kind of uh, theories or um, method of singing. It has to come out of your soul, in, of your entire body. You just don't, don't sing only with your voice. It's your entire body singing and expressing emotions. So when, when, we, when you listen to this, you have an experience that cannot be, you cannot be in, indifferent to it. Um, it gives you the chills, it gives you heartbreaking, it gives you a smile, and it releases you from all 
the things that you feel inside and you cannot express day in, in your daily life. So can you give me a few chills right now? I hope so. Go ahead. <laughs> I, want, I would love to hear some before we run out of time. to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.